Hi, and welcome to the Brewery FM podcast hosted by Scott Hogue and Dan Usher. Just two techies separated by an ocean or two talking cloud, hops, and technology. This is episode one, recorded on 6 February 2015. Music used under Creative Commons license from Subway Sonic Beats Cloudy. There we go. All right. Is this thing on? I don't know. Is it on? It sounds that way. Um, so yeah, spiders. They stink. I don't know, man. Uh, that's only if you light them on fire, which I try not to do. Uh, I, you know, we, we have this awesome stuff out here. It's called Mortine. You just pick up the can, uh, you point it at the thing, you spray it, and then you watch it go through its death rows and curl up into a little ball. Uh, the problem is that you can actually see the spider curling up into a little ball. So anything that's big enough to curl into a ball that you can see from a distance, uh, you know, it, it all gets kind of, uh, uh, kind of scary. Got to kill one this morning. Always a, uh, fun experience. And the best part is, uh, you know, maybe I'll pick up like a really nice, like, uh, cancer or something from all these chemicals that I'm spraying around. That, uh, that probably wouldn't be a good thing. Um, not quite certain if your health care plan would actually cover that uh, whenever you're here. Good point. Yeah, I'll just have to stay out of the country a little bit longer. Yeah, that sounds like the best option. I mean, otherwise you pretty much are hosed. Anyway, uh, how are things going down there, man? It's been a while since we've uh, talked. It's been like, I don't know, what, a month, month and a half? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's been about a solid month. Uh, let's see what's been going on. Um, uh, had a, uh, brutal trip back, uh, from the U S to get back to Oz, but that's nothing different because it seems to go hellaciously, uh, bad coming or going or, or whatever it is. Um, been settling back into things actually, um, had an opportunity this week uh, to attend some training that I think you were supposed to go to a couple times, but you seem to keep skipping, uh, for, uh, Amazon. Pretty certain uh, it's more that I'm not getting invited, but you know, that's okay. I, you know, I, I, I talked to one of your friends over there and they, they said they're inviting you a lot and you know, you, you just don't show up cause everyone else on your team does, but, uh, you know, that's neither here nor there. So it, a lot of, uh, uh, Windows Server deep dive and and working on Microsoft workloads and um, kind of diving in and and uh, seeing where we can better position ourselves to uh, to move some of that stuff over there. Um, obviously, Amazon has a lot of skin in the game. Um, you know, being one of these uh, big IaaS providers, uh, arguably. Um, the one that's kind of been around the longest and, and doing it um, the best. So, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to get out there and, and push some messaging around um, to pick things up. And it's really interesting out here in Australia uh, because they haven't had um, some of the other competitors' data centers. So when you look at somebody like Microsoft, um, it took them a long time to uh, stand up uh, all their kit out here. So they have data centers now. They actually opened uh, at the tail end of 2014. Uh, but Amazon was open in the Sydney region for um, a good 18, 20 months before that. So they've got a little bit of a head start. Um, and they're certainly trying to uh, plug ahead and, and figure out where they can um, 
uh, skews some new things into there. Um, and the focus on Windows is nice, um, just being that, you know, that's kind of bread and butter in the space we work in. And, uh, you know, SharePoint and Exchange and Link and all that back-end office stuff, um, being able to host that over uh, in somebody else's cloud is, is kind of nice sometimes. Uh, you know, especially when we talk about uh, hybrids and, and, and all that fun stuff. Not the broken hybrid functionality in SharePoint, but, you know, like an actual data center hybrid, which uh, will work pretty well most of the time. You mean between the hours of 8 p.m. and 5 a.m., right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You have to time box those things. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you actually had it running during business hours, then... That would mean your consultants aren't actually doing any work. They aren't doing any configuration changes. Um, they're not allowing you know the, the actual information workers and whatnot to be able to use the system. Which I don't know you know what the organizations would do if the IWs could actually do their work. But um, yeah, no, I, I could see that being a problem or an advantage or something fun to do or something to work on that's slightly interesting. Um, so I guess uh, for anybody that's listening to this, probably the three people that uh, subscribe to it. Uh, so what's kind of going on with you in Australia, though? It, it sounds like uh, you're enjoying your time down there to some extent, and you've yet to get skin cancer. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great way to describe it. Um, so... Uh, I initially came out here to uh, help uh, bootstrap some stuff with my employer, set up a new office. Um, if anything, just uh, gain some new experience around uh, that side of the business. You know, being in um, technology consulting, it's really easy to get weighed down in the uh, in, in the technical cruft. Uh, but sometimes it's nice to take a step back and. Um, try and learn some different things that don't involve, uh, you know, PowerShell or um, scripting or programming or things like that. So uh, I, I, I signed on for a couple of years to come out here and help and, and spin things up and see if we could uh, have a go of building something. So we're about a, uh, a year into it at this point and uh, still trying to figure some things out. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a very interesting market. Um, uh, Australia is, uh, you know, this wide, big, huge place, uh, beautiful country. It's really large geographically, um, but pretty tiny population wise. So, um, I live in Sydney, um, and I've, uh, often described it to people as the biggest little city, uh, I've ever lived in. Um, so it's just a, a very tight knit community and, um, uh, you know, you can drive, uh, to the mountains or, or go out on a weekend and, and try and have a, a little bit of a mini holiday. And, uh, you know, you'll run into somebody that, you know, who lives, um, you know, tens of kilometers away. They're, they're just randomly in the same place as you. Um, and those interactions kind of happen all the time. Um, so, so that's great. Uh, uh, people are great. Uh, live in a nice little uh, community just, just outside the core of Sydney. Um, so, you know, I can just walk to work if I want to, things like that. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's a little bit gentrified, uh, a lot of expats here. Um, so it makes it a little bit easier to kind of uh, uh, integrate in culturally. So we've got a lot of um, American uh, and also uh, European expats in the area. Um, uh, and, and that kind of 
spurs things on. Uh, let's see what else. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 been it's been an interesting trip. Yeah, you were telling me about uh, like Thanksgiving and celebrating that last year. I'm kind of curious, but you know, for folks you know in Australia, what do they do? Do they just kind of you know shake their heads and say Daffy Americans or? What uh, what was kind of the the play there, or did you just kind of pretend that you know, yep, we're going off to do this thing where we eat a turkey, and you all can just think we're strange? Uh, yeah, it, um, you know, I, Australians are uh, uh, I don't I would almost say hyper aware of American culture. Uh, so uh, a lot of the TV programming and everything else that comes through. Um, is American, um, you know, they, they do have, um, you know, local news and national news and, uh, a couple of TV shows here and there. Um, but by and large, the, the majority of the media set that comes through, um, is American. So I think, um, just from those TV shows and movies and everything else, um, culturally they're, they're exposed to, uh, the, the same kind of holidays that, that, uh, that we have in the U S and, and they know what goes on there. Um, as far as Thanksgiving goes, uh, you know, again, uh, being in this kind of expat uh, centric area, uh, we just invited uh, a bunch of friends over, another American family um, and uh, an Australian family we know. Um, so uh, husband and wife. So, so the wife's Australian. Um, the husband's American, but he's lived over here for about uh, 12, 13 years now. Um so, you know, uh, brought everybody over. It was good a good opportunity to uh, uh, show um, the Aussie family, their kids, a little bit about, um, you know, here's how we cook a turkey with bacon on top of it um, and let it all run through. Um, you, you know, probably the most interesting part of that whole experience besides, uh, you know, having everybody over and, and, you know, doing a Thanksgiving holiday where there's not snow on the ground in the Northeast or anything like that, or it's not chilly outside, you know, it was like a, it was like an 80, 85 degree day, uh, Fahrenheit, something like that. Um, you know, was trying to, uh, go through the exercise of, uh, acquiring all the ingredients that you're used to. So, um, you know, in the U S we do things like walk down to the grocery or probably hop in our car and, 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 and go there. Um, and you go to the back aisle and there's going to be a whole, uh, freezer case full of, uh, butterball turkeys or, or something else like that. Um, so being that Turkey is not the thing to do on, on Thanksgiving cause they really don't celebrate here. They don't do that. Um, so even something like finding a Turkey means, um, taking trips to a couple different butchers, uh, figuring out which butchers can get a bird in the size that you want it. Uh, kind of negotiating with the butcher to figure out um, how that turkey is actually going to show up to you. Um, you know, we ordered ours uh, and we just picked kind of the, the butcher that was closest to our house. Um, you know, we, we got a, a 10 uh, kilo turkey. Um, and then we walked out and we thought, um, you know, we didn't ask how that turkey is going to come. Uh, so we fully expected to get an animal that uh, still had its head and feathers and uh, everything else attached to it. Um, you know, and then you do things like go from your turkey to, well, how are we going to make a pumpkin pie? Um, so you got to go find, uh, you know, the, the, the one store that happens to carry, um, American food items. So you can get your, um, pumpkin, uh, pumpkin mash in a can, that kind of thing. Uh, cranberry sauce is, uh, nigh and impossible to, to, uh, 
come across, but you, you, you kind of make it work and, and you flow through and, and you go with it. Um, so you try and find the things that uh, you want to be kind of creature comforts and for everything else, you just make it up as you go. Sounds about right. I mean, I know, uh, I know you mentioned when you first moved over there a little over a year ago that the price of potent potables like uh, Budweiser was somewhat, you know, astonishing. Um, I probably shouldn't tell you, but next Friday, yeah, I think it's the 13th, Friday the 13th, what better day, um, Dogfish Head out here is going to actually have a 120-minute IPA on tap, or maybe it's in bottles, yeah, they're going to have it in bottles, so I might uh, I might go over there and celebrate for you, um, I'm pretty certain probably it'll be like, you know, $18 a bottle, so I'll still be feeling like I'm in Australia drinking uh, decent beer, even though, you know, the quality might be a little bit different. Uh, uh, you know, the last time you had 120, I'm going to guess it probably was a uh, sweet, delicious, uh, tasty, hoppy beer, but it probably was a little more than you're, uh, accustomed to probably there across the pond or down under. Yeah. We, we don't get too much in the way of, uh, high alcohol content beer here. Uh, and things do tend to be expensive. You know, I, I get uh, really excited. My, uh, you know, my wife likes to drink uh, Corona just because it's one of like the few standardized beers that we can get over here that's kind of sold all over the world. Um, so, you know, as soon as we landed um, and, and got back in Sydney last month, um, went up to the bottle shop and uh, they had Corona on sale, two cases for $90. So to be able to get uh, 24 bottles of Corona for $45, that's like a great epic deal around here. Um, so jumped all over that and um, went through the whole comical process of, um, crap, I just bought two cases of beer. How do I walk these home? Um, you know, because we don't, we don't have a car or anything here. So uh, we, t we tend to try and walk and, and take public transport and everything as much as we can. Um, so, so yeah, it's... it's, it's, it's uh, uh, it, it's definitely different. Um, and, and, you know, there are some things where you, where you get really close. Um, so, you, you know, there's like, like Sam Adams, we can get the international version of Sam Adams here. Um, but it's like the version that's packaged up for Sweden and Mexico. So it's got a sweet label on it because it's got pretty much, you know, five languages that absolutely have nothing to do with each other. Um, but you know, it's just, it's, it's not Sam Adams. It doesn't taste like Sam. Um, and you know, you can't get things like that on draft or anything like that. Uh, there's a bit of a, uh, a movement maybe, um, uh, to pick up and start doing some, uh, some more of these microbreweries and things. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's an expensive habit to, uh, uh, to keep up and, and keep running with. I can see that being, you know, slightly problematic, uh, Hopefully, uh, next time you're back in the States, though, you'll be able to <clears throat> enjoy some Sam Adams that's uh, just, you know, packaged with the quote-unquote America label. Yeah, usually one of the first things we try and do is hit the airport, stop, um, and, uh, you know, probably makes us sound like alcoholics, but uh, stop and hit, like, whatever the bar is, and you sit down and you get, um, you know, an American hamburger or cheeseburger or whatever you're um, you know, whatever your poison is and you get a nice big beer and then you take a picture of your receipt because the whole thing only costs, you know, seven, ten dollars something like that. You know, you didn't spend, uh, you know, hundreds of dollars um, <laughs> uh, on a meal. I'm guessing that's in the, uh, the duty-free zone of the airport because I know at least in the D.C. area, 
probably a burger and a beer would be 15 or 20 bucks, but and I could, uh, I could see that. That's probably one of those things where you take that receipt back and you show it back to the folks, you know, back in Oz and they kind of look at you and they go, really, really? That's just, that's just wrong. So cool. Uh, you, you know, let's people are painfully aware of it. Um, you, you know, it seems like a, a lot of people we know, um, you know, they'll, they'll do, uh, like clothing shopping and things like that over in the U S um, just because of, uh, uh, how prices go. And, uh, you know, I work in, uh, technology space. So a lot of the people that I've met over time, they, they work for, um, you know, some of these bigger, uh, technology companies and a lot of folks, um, at, at, at the Twitters of the world and things like that. So there, you know, there's these companies that have headquarters and, um, San Francisco or someplace in the U S so folks are kind of churning in and out constantly. So, so we tend to get a, a, a steady supply of Americana, um, you know, if we need it. Cool. I know on a couple of occasions I've thought about, you know, either sending Girl Scout cookies or, uh, bags of goldfish. And I'm pretty certain your wife would, uh, kill me if I did only because it would be like, you know, here, here's a small taste of America. Um, I'm not going to give you any more, so I don't know. Um, if you want, I've got 10 boxes of Girl Scout cookies that I could, uh, just put tape on and mail. Yeah, I, I, I don't recommend that because that does fall into the category of once it's gone, um, you know, clinical depression sets in. Yeah, it's, it's probably not a good idea. Although, you know, it's kind of funny. I was in, uh, Giant about a week ago. And I was walking down one of the aisles and I kind of, you know, out of the corner of my eye, I looked up and I saw what looked like Girl Scout cookies because like the box shape was the same. And there was a picture of what looked like a tag along on front, but it was a knockoff, just, you know, generic brand. So it's kind of funny to me to see a couple of the different grocery stores, I guess, maybe using the same production plants that the Girl Scout cookies use. Uh, to put out their own, you know, generic brand Girl Scout cookies. Kind of neat, but uh, maybe that means we can get them year-round. Which, if you uh, were not familiar with, um, <clears throat> you know how uh, Girl Scout cookies kind of have a schedule where throughout the year they've got uh, different regions that are selling, so it's not all of the world all hitting the uh, <clears throat> same factory or same... I guess, bakery that churns out all the cookies. Um, recently, they added that uh, order online. And so Andrew Connell uh, posted something up on his Facebook page, and I think his wife, Meredith, did as well. Um, and it was kind of funny because I saw that, and I was like, huh, that's neat. They're, you know, doing the Girl Scout cookies thing. And I, I pinged her, pinged Meredith, and I said, hey, uh, you know, do you do you mail cookies? Um and she said, sure, uh, just, you know, <clears throat> you can either order it through me and I can package it up and we can figure out shipping or you can uh, use the online ordering system. And I said, online ordering system, what are you talking about? And apparently the Girl Scouts have this new digital Girl Scout site. And so tried yeah, it out. Brand, brand new, introduced just this year. Yeah, it's crazy, though, because like whenever, you know someone would come knock on your door and they'd say, Hey, you're selling Girl Scout cookies. You'd be like, Oh, okay, that's great. Um, and you wouldn't see them for, I don't know, six weeks sometimes. So the Girl Scout cookies website though, you go in, you choose, or you're given that specific link that's linked back to the person. And within three days, the cookies show up on your doorstep. It's kind of ridiculous. So 
Uh, you know, that's still an option. I think probably about 20 days ago, it said the account still had uh, ordering status for another 50. So that's 30 days. Uh, it was something pretty reasonable. It was like four bucks per box and then $4 for shipping per 14. So you could always, you know, just uh, <clears throat> order a couple hundred boxes and one, make the Connells incredibly happy, um, but at the same time have a nice stockpile for the next year. But that's, you know, just uh, just an idea. I'm not saying you should do that. Um, some other kind of crazy stuff <clears throat> going on this week. Um, I don't know about you, but the past week it just seems to have been like a constant churn uh, by Microsoft with different products where they kind of kicked off about a week ago where they showed off all the Windows 10 stuff um, and they showed off, I guess, Windows 10 holographic. Um, kind of cool, but then all of a sudden we see a Compli become an Outlook and we start seeing announcements about like uh, the next version of SharePoint, the evolution of what the platform is going to be. Um, it just, it, I don't know what's going on, but it seems like uh, Scott Guthrie and those guys that were in the Azure group have suddenly lit a fire under, underneath the rest of the company to the point where stuff is just churning like daily. Um, I thought it was kind of a bear to keep up with just, uh, you know, the Azure blog and DearAzure.com um, and then picking up uh, a couple of the other things like the PNP repo and the multiple Azure repos, uh, those things are like firing like hotcakes right now. And it's just really impressive to see them pick things up. Um, I'm kind of curious, you know, do you know if there's kind of similar things in the Apple world or the Google world in terms of like those repos and whatnot that are just kind of open to the public to go look? Uh, you know, actually that's, that's, uh, uh, an interesting point you bring up, right? I don't think a lot of people realize that stuff is out there. Um, so, so maybe one of the big differences between, um, some of the other big providers and what Microsoft is doing these days, uh, you know, Microsoft's very, uh, conscious and serious about that, uh, commitment to, uh, open sourcing, uh, as much of their platform, uh, when they can and where they can. Um, so if you look at things like even down to the core, um, so like the .NET CLR, uh, core and Roslyn, um, that's all sitting out uh, on GitHub as well. They made a huge uh, push uh, uh, this week to put a lot more of uh, that code out there um, uh, and, and push those things through. So uh, for, for everyone that doesn't know, you can follow along uh, with things uh, like Office Dev. Um, you know, there's a lot of developers that are always taught. Uh, we've got this new story of transitioning from um, FTC or full trust code over to the new um, apps model and uh, just some of these new ways of uh, in interacting with our data um, and, and trying to be a little more conscientious about the way solutions are developed, right? So we can do kind of off-box coding and, and get our stuff out of SharePoint or out of, out of Exchange, out of Office, things like that. Um, so all that code that Microsoft's developing um, is actually being put out on GitHub um, anybody can go and look at the uh, source code behind it and see all the things that are in there. Um, and then if you have a GitHub account, uh, you can go in there yourself. You can uh, fork it. Um, you can actually, as a community member, uh, submit uh, PRs, uh, pull requests into that. And you can make contributions back to, that, back to those projects. Um, 
And so Microsoft is doing that for things like um, Office Dev. Uh, they've, they've got PMP, which is uh, Patterns and Practices. So they release things like the CSOM cores. Um, they also do a lot of guidance. So uh, you mentioned Andrew Connell earlier. He's, he's an independent consultant, but he does a lot of stuff with Microsoft. Um, he just had a new uh, bit of guidance hit out to the uh, PMP group around um, all the new uh, ADAL interactions and, and some of the things we can do with Azure Active Directory uh, and these apps as we write them. Um, so we've got Office Dev PMP. Uh, the Azure group um, actually publishes all their stuff out there uh, to GitHub as well. Um, so you can go see the PowerShell SDK um, and all the work that goes into that. Um, and uh, you can actually get a better idea, a much better idea of, of kind of some of the, the backend libraries um, and things that are going in there. Um, you know, it's, it's funny, I was sitting in this uh, uh, AWS training earlier this week, um, and we were going over some things, you know, we, we were, we were um, taking a look at one point at um, the Amazon PowerShell SDK and, and, and how we can interact with VMs and the CLI. And, um, you know, everything's kind of similar between all these providers. Uh, but one of the things I really missed um, coming from the uh, more of that Azure centric world uh, is where can I go on the back end and see how you're interacting um, with your APIs, you know, so uh, it, they don't publish those things out there. So when they talk about their tooling being, uh, you know, a little rough around the edges, like their PowerShell commandlets don't have a lot of help associated with them. Like they, they just haven't had the time to put those things in yet. Um, you, you know, it'd be nice to see something like that published out on the community side uh, where, where we could go back and, and make those contributions ourselves if we wanted to. Um, you know, in, in the Apple world, they're, they're often very closed off and, um, you know, they, they, they do some interesting things here or there, but they're, they're not really as, uh, uh, as, as out in the open. You know, you're going to have to sign up for a developer account. Um, to a certain degree, they push things out there. You've got some blogs around Swift and things like that. Um, Google, I'm really not sure uh, what they do. I don't pay too much attention to them personally. Um, you know, there, there, there's been some stuff lately around Google Compute Engine and, oh, hey, you know, we can finally run um, Windows Server 2008 R2 workloads. Um, that's great. Really not that interesting. Um, we can already do a lot of that work over in um, uh, Azure AWS. So, you, you know, they seem to be a little bit... Um, uh, kind of behind the game and providing some of those Windows workloads where uh, I, I tend to concentrate and spend a lot of my day. Yeah, I guess I'm just, uh, you know, I'm surprised. I know if you go out to like the developers.google.com site, there's, you know, a plethora of information about different products and all the SDKs and whatnot. But, uh, you know, like you said, the infrastructure is a service piece where they've got their compute engine just doesn't really seem to be on par with any of the other providers when it comes to, you know, kind of the diversity of uh, platforms or uh, servers you can choose from. Uh, I know if you look at, uh, you know, some of their app engine stuff, if you're a Python developer, it's probably a dream for you, but <clears throat> otherwise you're kind of just sitting there going, well, there's all these different products. What can I actually do? Uh, I don't know how much you've been able to kind of keep up with some of the new stuff churning out of uh, the Azure platform, but some of the newer platforms and service capabilities, uh, pretty sweet. I think uh, the one that just kind of made me smile and grin a little bit was 
uh, kind of their media streaming services and the ability to do all the different <clears throat> things you can do on there. I'm getting choked up thinking about it. Um, but just, uh, you know, pretty cool how they've shown just how scalable that is uh, using it for the Olympics. Um, I know Dan Holm is uh, in charge of that when uh, they were over, I guess, uh, you know, over in Russia, um, helping to tune and make certain that the Azure media services, uh, streaming services, whatever it's called, uh, was working properly to be able to stream the Olympics out to the world over the internet. So that was pretty darn cool and to see it uh, get amped up and ramped up even more, um, pretty darn amazing to see that capability. And I know AWS has something very, very similar, so I won't downplay their capability either, but to be able to handle the load of something like the Olympics pretty phenomenal. Yeah. You, you know, it's, it's, uh, again, it's one of those things where they're making some, uh, some big pushes to get things around. Um, so if you look at something like Azure and, and really how they're trying to, uh, be out in front of some of those things. So you mentioned, um, uh, Sochi and, and, and the winter Olympics there. Um, you, you know, that's not the only thing that they've done. That's kind of, um, of scale lately. So, uh, just recently, uh, we had the, uh, NFL Super Bowl uh, in the United States. Um, so, uh, the Azure folks, uh, they actually helped out with, uh, doing that whole streaming piece as well for, um, NBC. Um, so they called it super stream Sunday. Um, how do we push things through, you know, at this massive scale? So, you know, NBC opened up the pipes and said, um, we're going to make the Super Bowl, uh, uh, free to everyone to stream online. So they basically did, uh, you know, 11 hours of streaming. Um, and a lot of that uh, went through the Azure platform as well. So, um, you know, not only is this stuff being uh, developed at a rapid pace. Um, so, you know, you mentioned the cadence uh, that this stuff comes out at is, is kind of ridiculous sometimes. Um, but that cadence isn't necessarily leading to um, instability or, or these kind of non-performance systems, right? These things continue to um, gain features, um, but they're also getting really solid along the way. So, so having this this quicker cadence, you know, it does introduce bugs here and there, but it's actually helping um, in in most cases with um, release of products that are really you know better than they would be if they were closed off and they weren't getting kind of public attention and and uh, the numbers of people that they actually do need to use them uh, to keep everything churning along. Yeah, it's pretty wild. So I know we got to wrap up here in a second. Uh, I know you've got some stuff going on today. Um, but I do have to say that, you know, I'm, I'm kind of jealous that you're, you're quote unquote down under uh, enjoying the tropics. Uh, hopefully, you know, you're not, uh, not getting too much sunburn uh, <laughs> and, the one thing, of course, is, you know, hopefully you're not uh, going to come back to the States and be like, holy smokes, how did I ever live in a, you know, temperate world that was uh, experiencing temperatures less than what we, you know, prefer to call Fahrenheit and you call Celsius, uh, but, you know, less than 45 degrees uh, Fahrenheit or greater than uh, 95 degrees. But then again, I guess, you know, since you are close to the equator, you do have those days occasionally where you start to melt yeah, it can get a little warm and, and kind of push things around. So, you know, I'm definitely going to um, enjoy my time out here while I can. 
um, and, and make the most, most of it and try and get some traveling in and things like that where we can. Um, so we talked a bunch about me earlier. Um, do you have anything going on in, in, uh, in, in, in your world these days? I know, um, you, you know, I mentioned I'd been at some AWS training. I'm actually headed out to, uh, an MVP event today. So, so they do these events out here, um, called, uh, ComCamp, um, where they get a bunch of MVPs to come out, um, and talk at Microsoft offices about the latest and greatest technologies. Um, I don't know if they do those same kind of events in the U S I think they're kind of unique to here. I don't remember ever having, um, com camps, but I know you've always got, um, a, a lot of, uh, different things cooking and, um, certainly a lot more conferences and things like that going on in the U S. So, uh, anything coming up, uh, in, in the next couple of weeks that, um, folks should take a look at or see what's going on. We've got, uh, I guess, uh, there's an IT pro camp that is going on. Um, I think that started up after you left, uh, but basically it's, you know, uh, like 500 folks descending upon the Microsoft Chevy Chase office to go through topics that cover anything from uh, Windows Server to Azure to Office 365, Exchange, SQL, uh, CRM, pretty much any product that, you know, Microsoft has uh, is being represented there in some capacity. A lot of it is uh, different Microsoft folks. Uh, I think myself, Tim Farrow, and a few other folks got invited to come talk, which is pretty cool. So looking forward to that. Um, that'll be a good times. So it's the third weekend of February. And then uh, you remember the good old SharePoint Fest DC. Uh, that was two years ago. They did it down at, uh, I want to say it was the JW Marriott in Bethesda. Uh, this year, David Wilhelm and Art. I'm remiss to remember Art's last name, but... Uh, they're doing it at the Washington Convention Center in April, so that'll be pretty cool. Um, hopefully, you know, folks that aren't going to be going out to Ignite in Chicago in May uh, are able to make it out in April to that conference. It'll be good times. Um, and then, uh, uncertain, you know, if you're going to be back, but uh, SharePoint Saturday DC, we're going to be doing that on uh, June 13th, I think it is, whatever the second Saturday is in June. Uh, so, you know, myself, Tim, Adam, and uh, Rachel are starting to put together all the materials to get out to sponsors and start, uh, you know, talking to speakers. And then one other last thing, uh, probably, you know, you probably miss this more than you believe, but uh, good old SPS Philly is going on, uh, I think it's the first weekend of March, so... Hopefully there won't be two feet of snow on the ground, but uh, the good old Malvern office, which I know you affectionately loved so much, uh, is where Mike McCulley and David Mann and those guys are doing it at. So it'll be kind of a you know packed next couple <coughs> weeks, weekends of events. Um, I think I'm actually going up to the Malvern office two or three times in the month of March for different events. So hopefully, uh, you know, get some downtime, get some time to figure out where to buy a house in good old Fairfax, Virginia. Um, and hopefully, uh, get real, get some, uh, real Verizon Fios love. Although I know good old, uh, ADSL 2.0 for you down there, down under can be painful to work with. So, um, that's, you know, kind of all it's cooking in my camp. I know we're going to try and keep the cadence of this maybe once a week, every other week. Uh, shorter than 45 minutes and to our three listeners uh, hopefully that uh, listenerhood will quote unquote expand and we'll uh, we'll see how this goes but uh, for the latest and greatest information if you check out brewery.fm so you know kind of like a brewer 
head over to Brewery FM, get the show notes, get some of the different information that Scott and I have been talking about. And yeah, that's, that's all I got. You got anything else for us, Scott?